popcorn paperback. Gotta eat the popcorn, read the paperback. Open up the paperback, eat the popcorn. Popcorn paperback. Um, whoa. Oh, whoa. Hey, hey. bonjour. <laughs> Didn't see you there, <laughs> folks. Hey, welcome to Popcorn Paperback. This is the bi-weekly podcast for the arts and entertainment department at the Daily California. I'm Charlie Cruz, and I'm the literature beat. I review books. And I'm Jackson Kim Murphy. I'm a former film beat who still reviews movies. Charlie, what's this podcast about? This is a podcast about both books and movies and sometimes even other forms of media, discussing each medium's merits and how they clash and complement one another. Two mediums enter, only one leaves. We declare a winner each week, sometimes with the assistance of a guest that picks a side in this eternal battle between books and movies. Yeah, people off the street, professors, students, monsters. Who knows who's going to enter this podcast? We have an open door policy. The door so is open. It's open. So, so if you've ever read something, something or watched something, pick a side on Popcorn Paperback. Uh, that's the name of the show. Uh, on the uh, last episode, <laughs> the movies won last week. Oh, yeah. Movies won. Two yeah. So now ago. it's tied one Books, one movies. So the battle continues. For a long time, listeners of this ends. podcast, uh, it's probably very dissatisfying <laughs> to yeah. hear that they're uh, tied. <laughs> Here's who we got on the pod today, ladies and gentlemen. One of UC Berkeley's finest avant-garde artist, social activist, provocateur, troubadour, acrobats, commodore, tightrope walkers. Lena. Twitch streamers. Lena Gavinas. Gavinas, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, right? We'll keep that, right? Gavinas? Lena Gavinas. Oh, okay. What is that? Uh, it's literally my dad. <laughs> That's it's, her name, it's, Charlie. It's my name, for starters. Hello? But, uh, my dad and my uncle actually changed, my grandfather changed it to Gaines because he didn't want to be Lithuanian. And so they changed it back, but they didn't know how to pronounce it, so they pronounced it differently. And my uncle says Javinus, but my dad was like, I want a name that rhymes with anus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, incredible. Yeah. How has that helped you in your life? A lot of <laughs> like self-deprecating, <laughs> low-hanging humor. Uh, that's basically it. <laughs> Very cool. That yeah, helps. Yeah. Lena, now, uh, uh, you know, you're you're on campus. You're on campus. Yeah. You're on one of the best improv teams at UC Berkeley. Uh, TBD, to be determined, mm -hmm. improv. Um, uh, you are, is, is, is art your major? You, as I know you as an artist for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you make a lot of videos and you make, you made a beautiful hand costume yeah. sculpture You thing. made a great video recently. Yeah. yeah. That is going to, going to Atlanta. the Nationals? Is that what they're called? Oh, it's, not, it's, not <laughs> it's not called National. It was Campus Movie Fest. You made mm. a movie in Festival. a week. And we, yeah, for the layman. <laughs> you make a movie in a week, and uh, four from every campus that participates goes on to Nationals in Atlanta. I guess it's, I guess Nationals. Yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah. It's like a cheer I don't know team. what else to call it. <laughs> some point. Yeah. Now, Lena, what's interesting is that I, I, I kind of think of you as a, you know, a tour de force on campus, this artistic kind of, you're, you're very funny, you're, you have a very unique style, a unique way of holding yourself. Um, but I, you know, I did a little snooping, 
and you weren't always this way. You know, you weren't always this this very avant-garde, powerful force. Yeah. Sometimes you used to be. I'd, I'd say, kind of a cookie cutter. <laughs> Why are you roasting her? I'm not trying to roast her. I think these are all compliments. Um, I'd love to be a cookie cutter. Um, uh, you used to be this uh, very political figure. You used to be kind of this like yeah. you, I, you on YouTube. Yeah. You know, listeners can look. No, maybe. I would, I would <laughs> recommend it, but thank you. I mean, it's your freedom too. Uh, but you have these like kind of political speeches that you did. Is, is this like uh, for uh, Model UN or, or JSA, Junior States of America? It was for a program called Youth in Government that I participated in starting freshman year because my neighbor uh, and my friend Kelsey was like, you should join it. It's fun. You get to debate things and give speeches and stuff. And my junior year of high school, my friend was like, uh, hey, you should run to be youth governor because you'd be good at it. And a woman hasn't been youth governor in 12 years. And I was like, damn, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I it took a lot of like coercing to get me to do it because like I I used to do like drama in middle school but like definitely was still shy in front of people so started I don't know running for office and giving speeches and stuff classic cookie cutter garbage <laughs> dumb <laughs> absolutely dumb stuff but I won um and then I had to do I did a lot of like touring around for the YMCA as like a <laughs> spokesperson. That's like they'd cool. be like, she's like the youth voice, and they'd like take me to like panel conversations, and they'd just be like, donate to our cause. Uh, here's Lena to give a speech. Wait, so you were doing this stuff back like you were in middle school and high school? Yeah, back in high and school. And you had videos on YouTube. Yes, they were like. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard because like I don't want to. I don't want to feel too embarrassed about it because I do think that it like made me grow and be more comfortable speaking in front of people and got me definitely more like civically engaged. Uh, but now you're disillusioned. But now I mostly I just got so tired and then I was like I'm I want to be a biologist so I'm actually studying biology, but I like art more. <laughs> so. Nice. <laughs> right now, if we could talk about uh, the book of. Wait. The theme of this week. Oh, sorry. We nailed it down, right? Absolutely. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Not at all. <laughs> okay, it's uh, uh, satire. satire. Yeah. In space. Oh, satire. In, in space. space. Um, basically, uh, both of these pieces are pieces of science fiction. Yep. Um, and they kind of take a pretty political or yep. kind of uh, you know uh, uh, polemic view of of their subject, and they use kind of science fiction and the way. Uh, extraterrestrials or, or, or ways of experiencing otherness um, to kind of make their point across. And, and I guess what we'd be kind of discussing today is how, how effective those pieces are. I think the book is very interesting. Yes, it in is. And how it uses it. And I think uh, also, I, I think they're right, there's something, the film is interesting in that, in that way too as well, especially also in like how it was received when it first came out versus like now. Now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool, um, cool. The book, we're well, yeah, let's, let's name the them both. <laughs> let's name them both. Oh, okay. The book we're talking about today is uh, Cat Country by Lao Shi. And the movie we're talking about today is Starship Troopers, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Ooh, fantastic. Let's talk about the book first. So yeah, basically, please. Basically, uh, Lao Shi is a very interesting figure. This is this is one of the earliest pieces, I think, of, of Chinese science fiction. All right. Um, he was born in Beijing to a, a poor Manchu family. So Manchu is just like another ethnic, uh, uh, you know, 
part of China. Not not, not like used to be kind of like historically the the, the rulers of China, the kind of dominant oh. yeah part. So and like then, never mind. I was going to say Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Manhattan famously Versus ruled like New York. The Bronx. Yeah, or like, right, because now, like, uh, most Chinese people, I think, are like, uh, or the, the biggest ethnic uh, majority is is uh, Han Chinese people. So mm. uh, this these kind of, these, these ethnic kind of battles and these, like, historical battles in China um, sort of helped shape how... Uh, Lao Shi thought in his own life. He's famous for kind of using local dialects, Beijing dialects, in his works and kind of celebrating kind of a popular, oh. yeah, a popular. It's interesting. He's a very interesting political figure. Um, uh, he, I think, studied abroad, came back to China, uh, has a very, he, his father was killed in the Boxer Rebellion, fighting mm -hmm. against imperialism. Um, he lived through kind of the 20th century in China and he lived through the uh, Mao's revolution. Uh, at a certain point, he he's like an old professor now, uh, right? The oh. Chinese, or, or like, right, at a certain point, I think like later, later, later in the 20th century, he's like an older professor. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm about. He's lived in the present uh, tense, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's alive. Uh, he's not. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not. <laughs> uh, a bunch we'll of students are criticizing him and uh, you know, denouncing him as, as kind of everyone did in, in Mao's China, just, just like denounce any figure of authority that wasn't you know, uh, Mao. Um, <laughs> he, and he famously refuses to follow this doctrine of, of kind of uh, totalitarianism, and he is found drowned in a lake. Either he did it himself, or, or people think maybe, maybe someone else did it, but, but he's just found dead and drowning in this lake. So it, it's very interesting how it's sort of like, his this novel specifically is interesting in its in its political context because it seems to criticize or or fight yeah. against certain all a, a, a bunch of uh, ideologies that that attacked or or were a part of Chinese life, uh, but to me at least towards the end it doesn't necessarily have a solution which which may be kind of yeah. interesting in its own right I don't think I don't think. I think it would be a, a, a weaker book if it just said, this is the and right here we are. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the market, baby, or something like that. Yeah. Um, Cat Country is uh, about a astronaut, a uh, Chinese astronaut. They, they all fly t on a rocket ship to Mars. Yep. And the rocket ship crash lands. Um, only one astronaut is alive. Uh, he's mourning his friend, and he realizes Mars is populated by these cat people. Uh, these are aliens that look like cats. Yeah. Uh, they are kind of silly and uh, silent, and uh, there's this entire country called Cat Country yeah. that's supposed to be just a metaphor for China, and uh, it's... Uh, I I'm gonna it's very heavy-handed <laughs> like it's it's extremely heavy it does that I've actually I've actually read a uh, part of the book this hey. week folks whoa <laughs> I can that. read um yeah no it does that thing that uh is always frustrating when it comes to uh like dystopian stuff reflecting modern society where it's just like going into heavy heavy uh expository detail yeah. and it's like it's like it's like implore you to make these connections to the real world like oh oh i know that like us yeah yeah it, uh, <laughs> there's there's these the major kind of like plot device around here is these things called reverie leaves all yes. everyone in cat country eats these reverie like leaves these juicy yeah like little leaves on a tree and they make you feel good yeah and they protect you from like the uh the toxic atmosphere yeah right? maybe there's toxic atmosphere but yeah it's basically uncertain right people are like addicted to these 
reverie leaves. It, yeah. It's, it no one's stop beating them. Like, oh, Landlords own like fourths that. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's ba- basically to sedate kind of the entire population. Yes. Uh, there's a passage right here that I'd love uh, you to read, Jackson. Whoa. Uh, right here, starting there, that just this paragraph. Uh, it's about the reverie leaves and kind of uh, foreigners are not, are not uh, you know, alien to uh, that's kind of funny foreigners are not alien uh to cat country there's always been foreigners in cat country yeah and this is sort of about how foreigners uh relationship to the cat people uh enforce this this reverie leaf uh production or something like that all right uh this is on page 33 for those of you <laughs> reading at home yeah reading at home <laughs> the most oh wait real quick scorpion Yes. Uh, I should explain this. Yeah, Scorpion <laughs> is uh, one, when they crash land, uh, a bunch of uh, cat people kidnap, or not kidnap, abscond, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the astronaut. The astronaut, who's the only surviving member of his crew. Uh, they imprison, not really imprison him, but they cuff him and keep him in a cell, but they don't realize uh, that like what he has is a gun, so he yeah. very easily <laughs> escapes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Scorpion, he starts to pass out, and Scorpion is this one a cat person that takes him under his wing Owns, and rescues him. It's kind him. of a small business owner. Yeah, and it's just, and like turns that. out to be a, a like yeah. a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, like exactly. well like later on in the book, um the astronaut takes a bath, which the cat people don't do. Uh <laughs> and uh Scorpion uh charges uh, a price for other cat people to yeah, watch him take a bath. Just watch him take a bath to be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think like, check out this money foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> now you know who Scorpion is. Yes. The most important task for Scorpion and the other landlords was to devise ways of protecting the reverie leaves. They had soldiers, but they couldn't possibly use them, for Cat Country's armies so pride themselves on freedom that when they have a good supply of reverie leaves to eat, they simply won't obey orders. Furthermore, the landlord's own soldiers often robbed them. One could tell from the tone of Scorpion's voice that, according to the Cat People's way of looking at things, this kind of behavior was to be expected. So who protected the reverie leaves, if not the soldiers? Simple, foreigners. Every landlord had to support a few foreigners as guardians. The awe the cat people had for foreigners was one of the distinguishing characteristics of their nature. Because of their love of freedom, they couldn't put five of their own soldiers together for more than three days without one of them being murdered. Consequently, fighting a foreign army was a virtual impossibility. With apparent satisfaction, Scorpio added, Scorpio, Scorpion added, Gemini added, Scorpion added, our ability to murder each other grows stronger every day. And the new ways of mutual massacre that we have devised are almost as ingenious as the new devices that we have discovered for writing poetry. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's kind of like they use, foreigners become this kind of tool that cat people use have to mm-hmm. enforce like production, protection of the leaves and uh, like ways of, of, of just kind of ruling their own population, which yeah. I think reflects kind of the manner that that the attitudes that Laoshe had about imperialism in China at the time, about kind of how foreigners and use opium maybe to keep Chinese uh, people down and, and, and to just keep trade low and how, how it's even like, right, there, there is a, a, a uh, accountability or, or culpability in the Chinese people themselves to, to oppress their own people. They're, yes. They, 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 they are, they are not, they're not bystanders purely victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, they're a part of the system that is, that is they're uh, complicit. That oppressing them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this book is also very funny, and I, and I, and I like it because... It's, like, pretty, it's pretty funny at times. It's funny. There's, like, there's no one in it's like, a cool person, no like, one's a cool, cool, nice person. And it's just, like, there's one part where it's just a parade, and the whole thing is, like, 
he's bringing the reverie leaves into town, but the point, like, to make sure no one eats the reverie leaves, he just has to, like, bonk people on the heads. It's very slapstick. <laughs> so it's where, like, it, it's, like, each step, like, you hear, like, a bonk, and it's just, yeah. like, so goofy. It's, like, almost, it's cartoonish. Yeah. Um, one of the kind of cartoonish moments. It's like a Looney Tunes gag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, is this moment kind of farther along. Um, it's, uh, it's about this librarian, uh, sort of, Chaos is continuing to ensue. Basically, the narrator is like, oh, like, shit's going down. Cat Country cannot survive. Yeah, the society keeps collapsing throughout the course of the novel. Yeah, Um, and so this is sort of towards the last kind of, um, yeah, like, like ebbs or, like, uh, you know, like, attempts to save Cat Country. Uh, But this is just one of the anecdotes that I think was kind of funny that kind of silly. Uh, Lena, do you mind reading this one? It's uh, it's about pants. And it's on page 153. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was like this. I started wearing trousers, and that's where the trouble began. The university students next door noticed this new revolutionary enterprise and came over demanding trousers of me. You see, I'm the head librarian, and whenever I sell library books, I always have to give the students a cut of the profits because they, too, are ardent followers of everybody share skiism. Okay, hold on. Let's pause for a second because uh, I want to talk. Uh, th- that's one of the least subtle <laughs> like parts of the book is that Lao Xie is, is very kind of critical against Marxism and communism, and I mean... I mean, that's everybody's share skis. Like, that's the most. And you can almost see, like, someone on Fox News being like, oh, what? Are we going to practice everybody's share skis of now? Uh, which I think is so funny. Anyway, keep going. I, I, I just love that. I have to sell books or I wouldn't be able to live. But when I make a sale, I had better be sure that they get, it, that they get their cut. You see, adherents of everybody's share skiism will kill a man without thinking twice about it. They're, used to, they're so used to share skiism that when they saw me start to wear trousers, it was natural that they wanted their share ski. <laughs> In quotes. But where in the world was I going to get enough money to make trousers for everyone? And so they started a counter-revolution. My wearing trousers was originally a revolutionary enterprise, but since they couldn't afford to wear trousers, they decided to turn the revolution on me. They they tied us all up and confiscated all of my savings. (laughs) That's great, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... Yeah, it's pretty goofy, I think, at certain points where it's just like, Laosha is clearly just, yeah, they're cats. And they're just like clearly trying to be like, oh, like clearly each ideology is bad. Yeah. Like, like this is dumb too. And the idea that this is like some, like it, it pokes fun against the I- idealism, right, of this of this new ideology of how much like, despite like all the words of like, everybody can have their share, everybody can, can live kind of comfortably. It's like Laosha kind of, pokes fun and says look no that's absolutely not happening and just like, yeah it's gotten to a point where like <laughs> like you know students denouncing their their teachers or like uh, so pa- children denouncing their parents yeah and, uh, or pantsless denouncing yeah, the yeah, pants yeah, yeah. so it, in a sense like it there this the satire is fun but in a certain sense there's something like about it that that takes that becomes uh like bitter in the mouth like it's just it's like a candy almost that's like too sweet that you start to hate the taste um, and it starts to just seem kind of oppressively nihilistic where there's just no hope anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and one of the main characters, uh, the son of Scorpion, actually, Young Scorpion. <laughs> a great name. <laughs> a good name. Um, he is like the nihilist. He's like, he sees through kind of every um, point of, of this country, of cat country. He says like, none of this is working. This is all going to blow over. Like there's, there's no hope. And he's sort of one of the, the closest companions of the, um, protagonist, and uh, this is sort of one of the last kind of big um, speeches uh, at the end of the, and it almost reminded me of some of Spengler, kind of the the guy who did uh, the the decline and fall of 
Western civilization, this kind of right wing guy who's just like, look, like there's no way Western civilization will be good again. Yeah. We are we are constantly decaying. Um, yeah, take a look at this. Um, this is on page 197. <laughs> and yet, as you can well see by observing Reverie's reaction to these mystics, whenever cata catastrophe, that's funny, whenever catastrophe is imminent, we will toss to one side all of the new terms we've memorized, and returning to old ways, we will reach for the most absurd and confused of concepts, concepts which lie stored in the deepest cellars of our spirits and haul them out again. You see, we are empty to begin with, and as soon as we panic, we expose our emptiness and begin calling for mama, just like little children. For instance, as soon as the followers of everybody Shersky-ism panic, they burn incense and pray to Uncle Carl the Great, blithely oblivious to the fact that their Uncle Carl was one of the greatest enemies of superstition who ever lived. When our revolutionaries panic, they begin the transport of the great mystics from the West wholesale, people who are much more mixed up than they are mystical, a muddle-headed crew who, know, who only know how to walk around carrying stalks of grass, no one has any understanding of problems. And then when the point arrives where a problem must be solved immediately, they call in the great mystics. This is the very reason we are certain to perish. We are all muddle-headed and confused. Economics, education, military affairs, none is really enough to extinguish a nation. But when every last person is muddle-headed and confused, that is enough to destroy a race. For no one on our planet, entire planet will treat as people, creatures who are as stupid and confused as beasts. This time our defeat is a foregone conclusion. And after our defeat, wait and see if the enemy doesn't slaughter every last one of them precisely because they don't regard us as people to begin with. So basically, right, it's not a happy ending. It's, it's just like, luckily, like, like. Lena looks mortified. Lena is done. Just got, yeah, so sad. It's dark and it's sad. And, and I mean, right, but I guess, right, Laoshi is speaking to a, to a very particular time in China where, I mean, this is a, a horrible time to, for, to make a weird, parallel is just like my grandparents mo moved from China because of the revolution to Hong Kong to escape sort of these persecution and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and so this is just like a moment where I, there's really, to people who aren't like, a, like you know, completely driven by this ideology, it's, it's a point of no return. It's a point of no hope where, yeah. where ancient Chinese texts are being destroyed, just like kind of ancient ways of knowledge. And yet also like attempts to go back to these ancient ways, ways of knowledge are futile. Um, and so, I mean, despite the kind of heavy-handedness of it, it does speak to a desperation and anguish and perish yeah. that, that was very much a part of, of Chinese society um, during the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. And on that happy note, <laughs> that's the book. <laughs> that's the book. MJ, how do you feel? My boy, young Scorpio, hits it on the head, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. He knows. Yeah, beautiful. Um oh. 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 wait. Someone is <laughs> someone's at the Well, I mean we had an I thought this was open. Door yeah, we policy. have an open door policy. You don't have to knock, sir. I guess I accidentally closed the door. Let me let me open the door up. <laughs> oh, we need to grease this door. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, hello. It's pretty dark outside. Could you come into the light? <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh no. What is that? Oh my gosh. Is that just like gargling? I have some tissues. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have sniffles? Sounds very yeah, phlegmy. Oh. Um well, Hold on folks, hold on. Uh I talked to my friends at Google. Um Yeah. I got a little I got a device Larry here. Page, right? Yeah. I don't know anyone who works at Google. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the CEO. Except of Google. 
that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Oh, that's the new Google Alphabet. Yeah, um, that's the Google Alphabet. Uh, uh, Google Translate. Yeah, Insta Translate. <laughs> Put it on. Well, well, give yeah, it to the here. Give it to the bug. I'll attach it to. This here looks like its neck. Yeah. <laughs> sure. The not the thorax. Are you okay with this, to sir? The head. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, all right. Um, oh, okay. Let's see if it works. Um, uh, hi. What's your name? Uh, um. Um. Hello. Uh, I heard you had an open door policy. <gasps> May I ask? I I'd love to know. What are you? Are you from Are you from another planet? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know the conduct. He looks this. like a bug. You a bug? <laughs> I mean, that's worse than what I said. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I, you know, I think that's just the accepted term for us in in your in your society. Uh, sure. Uh, our proper name is not not pronounceable <laughs> in human dialects. Do you have a name yourself? Yeah, uh, but inspired by the movie Paddington, I go by King's Cross. Wow. Have you seen yeah. Paddington? Yeah, I I know I said I don't watch a lot of movies, but. That's bear media. That's not human media. <laughs> that, yeah, that's not for us. That, that was my argument. <laughs> Would you like to stick around? Because that's so funny that you are a big yeah. insectoid alien. Because we actually the movie that we watched. It's uh called Starship Troopers. Have you heard of this movie? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you sure? <laughs> All right, I I have heard. Of, <laughs> It would just be not a very fruitful conversation <laughs> if you haven't heard of the movie. It's not my favorite subject. That's okay, all. No, I and I understandable that makes perfect because sense. Starship Troopers yes. is uh, it's based off a novel uh, that By Robert A. Heinlein, right? Maybe. Okay. Well, I could double check that. Sure, I believe it is. Um, uh, Clicking. It's based on a Edward, novel. Nope. Yeah, Robert A. Heinlein. Yeah. Edward Neumeier wrote the script. Um, he's one of the kind of the masters of sci-fi, like early sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but it was turned into a movie by this director. I don't really know much about it. Yes, Paul Verhoeven. So uh, Paul Verhoeven is uh, one of my favorite guys. Uh, he's like a mad Dutchman. Uh, he's from the Netherlands. What else has he directed? <laughs> I was nervous. Look, man, I'm going to get to it. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Paul Verhoeven, born in 1938 in Amsterdam. Son of a school teacher uh. and a hat maker. Uh. Growing up, he, uh, like, the, the area would be bombed by the Allied forces. Uh, so he had been surrounded by violence for pretty much all of his childhood. And propaganda. Uh, and propaganda, yes. yeah, capital. Uh, he went to college, did not major in filmmaking or anything of that sort, but he majored in math and physics. Uh, but then he started making short films uh, with money from the government in the Netherlands. He made some films uh, all around, uh, gets nominated for Best Foreign Language Film in America at the Oscars, so Ooh. he's like making a name for himself. Uh, eventually, uh, he comes to America for more opportunities in filmmaking. Uh, and he becomes sort of this uh, blockbuster filmmaker. Uh, he starts with Flesh and Blood, which is a medieval times movie where everyone's covered in poop pretty much nice. the whole time. Oh, cool. But then he makes RoboCop. Whoa! Whoa. He, made Robocop? he made RoboCop. Whoa. <laughs> uh, 
RoboCop, uh, great satire uh, about privatization yeah. of a militarized police force. Absolutely. Um, he makes Total Recall right after that. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Total Recall, great movie. My preferred version of North by Northwest. Oh, Whatever okay. that means, yeah. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, makes Basic Instinct after that. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, he makes Basic Instinct. Uh, then he makes Showgirls, uh, which I haven't seen. Uh, NC-17. Uh, that was like one of the first times the studio was like, let's try releasing an NC-17 in a lot of theaters. Yeah. And then it kind of bombed. Uh, um, and then he makes Starship Troopers, uh, which is sort of his return to science, science fiction yeah, yeah, people yeah. were kind of he was like kind of getting back in that uh wheelhouse sure. uh after uh, abandoning it from total recall for a little while um he's very much persona non grata kind of at this point in hollywood really? well not exactly that but he's very much like a critical punching bag uh or people like he just kind of spins trash yeah uh so starship troopers is this uh portrayal of a uh, fascistic, uh, unified mankind in the war against uh, extraterrestrial bugs. Yeah. Uh, by fascistic, we mean uh, sort of uh, all of mankind is subscribing to the single ideology. Yeah, it's authoritarian. Uh, all of economy of and society has been uh, sort of fed into the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's in egalitarian. It, there's there's very much a, a power structure. There's very much like an appeal to authority. A, yeah. A, 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 yeah. A, yeah. You everyone hails uh, like it rank plays a huge part in this movie. Yeah, but it's again just all of society, all aspects of it, economy. Uh, culture, yeah. social relations, uh, yeah, just all being fed into this uh, military-industrial complex. Absolutely. It, well, it's funny because, right, it does in, in, in especially in Mao's China, it's it, there's there's the distinction becomes very blurred because there is an authoritarian aspect to Maoist China and just like a, a the authority that old Chinese traditions had as either scholars, religious people, um, other other even like right family structure, parents, all of these things to Mao. Uh, becomes uh, places of power where like liberalism or, or capitalism can yeah can kind foster of foster and and so Mao's sort of attempt to destroy all these power relations in society kind of almost seems to reinforce a a a, a different chaotic power structure unequal power structure where the person with the most correct mm -hmm. um, Marxist ideology becomes the person in power and and definitely especially when when the party becomes there's only one party in China that party becomes the the sort of central authority that all the other people have to kind of uh, uh, work around and obey and believe in um, so really they both have right fascism requires authoritarianism uh, and most kind of like state versions of communism have had authoritarian governments. Uh, not to say that there are other strains of socialism and communism that are less uh, about power relations. Yeah, that less like you need to serve in the army in order to be a citizen, yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the plot. Yeah, let's talk about the plot real quick. Uh, so Starship Troopers is, uh, it poses a world, I believe in the 2100s, yeah. uh, where human, like mankind, has been united yeah. in a war against Bugs. Uh, the protagonist is named Johnny Rico. Uh, <laughs> great, great, great name. Yeah. yeah. Um, he grew up in Buenos Aires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it sort of follows this uh, 
uh, he's presented as a rich character. Yeah, in he's society. in high school. Yeah, right? he's in high school. Uh, he uh, his parents don't necessarily want him to join the military because yeah. he has enough money to go to Harvard. Uh, <laughs> it opens on like a like a civics or a political science class where pretty much yeah the, the structure it starts in the, a high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it sort of follows them through graduation, uh, their recruitment into the army, uh, like base training camp stuff. Uh, and after an uh, an asteroid lands on Earth, which is uh, supposed to be yeah. uh, the bugs attacking yeah, Earth, blamed but on the bugs. Yeah, but isn't necessarily given evidence for that. Yeah, uh, they become they really they really go to war. You know, yeah. they're at war before, yeah. but now they're really now at they're war. really at war. Uh, they invade their planet, and from then on out, it's sort of following uh, Johnny Rico's rise as a, in the military command yeah, yeah and becoming a leader as it goes on because right part of the thing is like i, I think at least the civics lesson at the beginning of the scene at the film is just like they're right the only people who can vote are yes soldiers yes you uh the film, the film actually opens with a with yes like propaganda yes yes it's a it's a it's a website almost or or some sort of like hotline that it's like would you like to hear more about yeah. the army it's an army yeah. recruitment ad the whole film is the transitions between scenes are is occasionally just like, do you want to hear more? Yeah, about just like, these ads? here's what's going on in this world, and then it shows like soldiers uh, giving guns to children, and yeah. all the children are like, yeah. And then they put uh, like cockroaches by their feet for them to stomp, like like training these malleable minds to just hate this other being, Absolutely. like from you. And it looks like right, like these some of these like '80s, '90s like toy commercials where yes. it's like, like just kind of yeah. noises <laughs> and, and action and all just like uh, like getting the the most out of the id of like destruction and like power and like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which is uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, right? Like this, this, this works as a film of like, uh, like a fa against fascist propaganda because it's so just like it. It speaks to the like mind numbingness or just like the complete kind of idiocy or like just like the the the. I don't know. It plays with tropes of like specific action movies or sci-fi yeah. movies in that there is it's a flat kind of narrative. It's just like bugs are bad, humans good. Yeah. This 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 black and white like binary will never be. Crossed. Well, I also love that it um, opens with the high school. Yeah. And it takes like the first twenty minutes or so are on planet Earth, and it's like sort of has like this rejects of the OC cast, yeah. like just <laughs> yeah. like a bunch yeah. of like Ken dolls and Barbie dolls Absolutely. all hanging out with like these petty melodramas between them. Oh yeah. Um and like there's a like there's a like a end of the year dance that they all go to and it's uh i like how it's conflating or like not conflating but um just tying like connecting uh like this sort of like uh i don't want to say trashy but yeah like but this it's like it's serialized like television uh yeah, teenage absolutely. drama and like fascist propaganda where it is uh tying uh sort of these social rituals yeah, yeah uh, to and like, like how they can propagate existing uh agendas yeah. so it dissolves yeah it unites all mankind under this one single ideology uh and then it's it's, it's a very depressing film because they can't see outside of it yeah. um i like to read uh a little passage Whoa. from a review of the film unprecedented yeah i know right <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite writers on film, Autumn Faust. Uh, you can follow her on Letterboxd. Uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, she wrote uh, a little bit, and I'm just going to read a little bit about it. Um, Difference is a problem. Violence is inevitable. This extremely cynical film posits that all of humanity's camaraderie and love for one another is rooted in fear of nature and of the other. 
Even if it shares human traits like care and thought, we're too limited by our visible meat to open our boundless compassion we have for each other to any being that is too physically different from us. That threshold shifts with a turn of perspective, dissolving our animosities based on race and gender and binding us based on our shared axis in the event of the arrival of a more other being. Um, so there are parts of this film where like, uh, there's like a, a locker room shower scene and it's just all the genders together and they're all just hanging out having like talk they're just like having soldier talk together yeah, they're like, hey you're you're weak i'm weak hey, yeah like yeah yeah it's just <laughs> i'm weak over here yeah there's that and then there's another part where uh within uh like the cutaway to propaganda footage uh, like the news channels uh after a failed attack uh the leader of i guess all of mankind on earth in geneva um he, he is white and he just hands off his power to a black woman and it's like simple and like the whole board around him around her and him because they're both at the front at the podium uh is just like a mix of race and gender uh so it's just all of these lines of discrimination that exist in our own society have been dissolved because we hate the other i was just gonna say that review really resonated with me uh as someone who is very physically different yeah. from <laughs> most of the people I come in contact yeah. with uh, nowadays, it it uh, speaks to me on a level. I mean, I, I, I one thing that I couldn't ever understand in the movie myself is uh, where did that meteor even come from? I feel like I feel like maybe the the meteors that were that were exploding on humanity were really just like planted there by by maybe the leaders of the government themselves uh, to, to unite against some other, the you know, the other. But yeah. um, I'm actually a missionary. <laughs> what? You're, very, you're religious. Yeah. Y you've I come here to convert right, people? Yeah, and that's what I uh. come here for. But I've realized what the, ma the main thing that I've realized coming here is um, I, I can never get my message across because people are rather frightened. Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to say the bow tie helps. I think part of it is yeah. just yeah. that, you know, you are a big bug and you have big wings and scary claws. And to have the bow tie is fun and it's nice. And maybe if you could find like a tailor who could get you a full suit, I think you'd look more respectable. This is a modern and not not, uh, not to say you're unrespectable, but, you know, we don't go around wearing just a bow tie unless we're at a Chippendales or something like that. Sure, sure. And that's fair. That's something that I think about a lot and. Uh, I'll take that into account. Yeah, mm, us too. Um, but it's right. It, this, uh, in the sense, right, you, the brain bug comes out. It's finally captured by the yeah. soldiers. Yeah. And it it should be this giant victory, and it is kind of portrayed in that way in the movie. But there is a sadness, like it also well, yeah. has these giant it, eyes. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris gets off the spaceship. Uh, yeah. In a Gestapo uniform, <laughs> and yeah. uh, he touches uh, the the face of this giant bug it kind of looks just like a human thumb with eyes like <laughs> black beady eyes yeah. uh but slimier like mine um i secrete uh <laughs> ooze um like you but the the neil patrick harris <laughs> brain bug <laughs> grabs the brain bug and evans yeah it's like quiet for a little bit yeah and then he because goes he's a psychic so he yeah like, and he's reading its mind yeah. and he goes it's afraid and the and everyone cheers like the everyone erupts cheers. in celebration it's and a, like that's the climax the hoorah yeah. moment of the movie the, the 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 last kind of great moment is the sub total submission of the other the, yeah the absolute destruction just of like it. they're all just like yeah <laughs> we it's we, scared to die <laughs> 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 yeah yeah uh it's alarming 
Um, kind of going back to the um, the sucking out the brains thing. Um, I want to talk about, and this goes back to your comment about uh, sort of Total Recall and uh, working in this way, where like it uh, it do- like it doesn't really matter what it's saying. It's just like fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, uh, the like the brutal, the absolutely meat-headed uh, portrayal of violence in this movie is one of its uh, key yeah. attributes, yeah. I would say. Um, one of the ways it sort of shows the the exacerbated or like like gratuitous like yes shittiness of yeah fascism like because about like the first forty five minutes or so are generally just like high school stuff yeah. boot camp yeah. uh, sort of going along although there is some z- violence in the boot camp uh, yeah. yeah one of them says. Uh, why, why do we need a knife uh, when we could just press a button to nuke them? Yeah, and then, and then he he's like, and then the like the sergeant's like, put your hand up there, and then he throws a knife through his hand. Through his hand, yeah. <laughs> and he's still like, he's like, you can't press a button if you d- if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, gets a medic because they'll like just break their arms yeah. in boot camp and then yeah. heal them just like that. Ugh. But also, uh, like it is, there is an ineffectiveness to their violence. There's an asymmetry to how these bugs maneuver, like yes. very quickly and agilely yes. with these spindly legs, like you have, uh, King's Cross. But also, and like and like these like turtle <laughs> speed movements of like these heavily armored yeah. humans. Yeah. And the armor doesn't do anything; they get torn to shreds, anyways. No. But also, um, I think this movie does something that very few satires actually do, uh, which is there is a sort of um, there's an honest, uh, in, like, intoxication and attraction to this violence. Yeah, yeah. This um, is something primal to yeah. humans, almost. Where it's yeah. just like, there's always a risk of going to that limit, to like, going to that. Like, there's a part where uh, Johnny Rico, uh, one of my best friends, uh, <laughs> has a grenade and he climbs atop a really big bug and he throws that grenade into the top of the big bug and it makes a big orange goo explosion. That fucking rules. And you're like, that was fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's and you're like, maybe it would be fun to throw a big old grenade into a giant big bug. Yeah, that could be a yeah, good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like I. It's I I think that's what makes this movie so um kind of like both right yeah it's like it's against fascism but it also shows why why right? it would attract what I love, human beings yeah what I love about this like want to watch more is that like because the movie continues to go on while these kind of ads for like this fascist war machine continue it's like we can't help but not watch like there's 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 a a, a desire to see the spectacle of violence yes that that continues to like that's just like kind of almost a critique of like movies themselves is just like ways of like how we're almost culpable like watching the movie and like uh, like supporting this 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 yeah. violence that's going on which is like both like a critique of fascism itself and like the elements that could create fascism within our own society which yeah. is which is really powerful yeah 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 uh yeah so like while this was uh critically uh uh, just like not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, no, critics uh, didn't like it. A lot of uh, the derision was just like, "Oh, it's a dumb boys movie." Uh, it, I mean, it is a dumb boys movie, and that's, yeah, that's uh, and it's very much functioning as a dumb boys movie. Uh, and I, this is something that Paul Verhoeven does throughout all of his Hollywood run, which is like uh, his Hollywood runs incredible. Uh, it's just like an outsider to American culture, yeah. looking in and uh, amping up its own uh, attitudes to. Absurd levels, Absolutely. absurd levels of violence, but uh, and absurd levels of sexuality in his other movies, not particularly in this one. Sure, uh, but like in Basic Instinct and Showgirls. Well, also the sex is crazy and like it's really silly in this one. There's some crazy sex in this yeah, one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it is just an amplification of these attitudes, and a critique of these attitudes at the same time. Yes. Uh, he is one of the few filmmakers I think that was able to create political art through popular. 
yeah, consumerist culture. culture. Totally. totally. Um, yeah. Cool. He's and a cool guy. Yeah. MJ, we got to ask, what wins? I feel like we both made good cases this week. For the first time, came out. Hey, MJ roasted us. Delete the episode, MJ. <laughs> Delete myself. Um, no, uh, Cat Country wins. Whoa! Uh, I think. I feel like that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you are uh, humanity. Yeah, uh, but I think uh, Starship Trooper packs a lot of stuff in. I it's a lot. It, it is a lot. I mean, just to get kind of that interpretation of, or I guess overall his message uh, from that movie. Uh, on top of like the raunchy stuff and uh, on top of Neil Patrick Harris being a psychic. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think Cat Country is a lot more, you know, palatable or a lot more mm-hmm. digestible mm-hmm. in a sense. More relatable. <laughs> more relatable. <laughs> young Scorpio, man. Young Scorpio. You can't <laughs> beat Young He's Scorpio. He's cooler than Johnny Rico. Yeah, yeah. It's a better name. Um, I, yeah. Anything you're looking forward to in media? In, uh, yeah, let's in do that. Future? Let's do the um, upcoming uh, circle. Uh, we got to name name this portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> upcoming circle. The coming circle. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, it's it's actually not upcoming, but it's a movie I haven't seen that I'd really want to watch. Uh, Venom. It's not. It's not Venom. It is never Venom. Um, <laughs> it's a movie uh, called Uncle Boon Me and uh, oh. his past lives. Remembers his past lives. Yeah. Uh, they. Call, he's supposed to be like a, a really incredible director. I forgot his name. It's but a long it, name. Yeah, it's a long name. I believe he's... Apichapong. I don't know his yeah, last yeah, name. Yeah, something like that. Um, and I've always wanted to watch that movie. It looks really cool. I think a woman has sex with like a fish, uh, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, There's all these like genre. wild... Yeah, like, that's, that is, that's true. Back in the news, yeah. I guess. <laughs> that would be a great... You know what? That would be a great episode. What, the sex with the fish? Sex with fish. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got like, a sex with a fish book. Guillermo del Toro. Sex. Yeah, you, that, you'd love that. Um... <laughs> But it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but it looks really good. He's a Thai uh, film director, and he's been compared to uh, Tarkovsky, which is kind of interesting. So I'd like to watch that. And Jendi Tarkovsky, and cool. Jackson. Uh, what what are you into? Yeah. Um. What's what movies are coming out? Um. Bohemian Rhapsody looks bad. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, Sorry. folks. <laughs> I like Queen a lot, but. Much like this room, Jackson's takes are very hot. I don't know. It has like a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's yeah. not that hot to think it looks bad. Maybe not, yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's, I don't know. Go watch Walk Hard, uh, the Dewey Cox story. Such Guys, a good movie. An incredible great movie. movie. Um, if you don't need to watch any music biopics after that. Biopics. Um, Except The Doors. Oh, The Doors is good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Other Side of the Wind hits Netflix, I think, at the end of this week. Orson Welles' Lost Movie. Yeah, cool. Uh, that's been, that's, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really funny that um, all of his movies were sort of fucked with uh, mm. by studios throughout mm-hmm. his career. And even this new movie, uh, they were trying to cut it and be like, really? how do we, uh, like, they were, because it's not, like, he didn't have Final Cut. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's very dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, they were like, like his whole career, they're like, how do we make this more commercial? How do we get this? And then like, they're making this version. Like, how do we make this as Wells as possible? How do <laughs> yeah. we amp this the up? The return of Wells. I also like how none of his movies will ever like not be fucked with. Yeah. That's fun. That's yeah, a fun yeah, legacy. Yeah. Also, Ralph Breaks the Internet comes out at the end of November. Oh. Uh, talk about fascism, baby. Oh. Uh, they go to the Disney website in that trailer, and they're like, look at all the cool stuff that Disney has. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's 
I, I we would read like the postmodern condition or something. Yeah. If we were to like review that. So look up, for, look out for that episode. Yeah, that'll be great. Maybe it's gonna get terrible reviews, but in like twenty years, someone will be like, "Ralph breaks the internet" is a satire. Whoa. <laughs> a, yeah. Yeah. Well, um. Thank you so much, King's Cross. King's thank you Cross, so much, I'm Lena. Take that translator back. Oh. Uh, all right. Um, Lena, thank you for coming in. Uh, yeah, of course. And of course, Yas Queen. Queen. Oh wait, thank you, MJ. <laughs> oh, thanks, MJ. Yas Queen. Yas, yas Queen. queen.